Welcome to the Pull the Shoot podcast with Jeff and Jana. This is our weekly venture into the world of small to medium-sized businesses and the entrepreneurial spirit that drives success. So our goal here is to help you grow and to be the best you can be, both in business and personally. To do that, we identify and we discuss topics that will hopefully help you as you work to build a successful business. We also interview business owners and executives. It's our hope that you may be able to gain insight on ways to help you be a better leader and provide a better culture for your people. Our mission here is to help you pull the shoot once a week to work on your business instead of always working in your business. So we hope you find these discussions insightful, helpful, and useful. And thanks for your support. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome to the Pull the Shoot podcast, everyone. It's Jeff and Jana back again in the new year. So this Woo-hoo! is the first podcast of 2024. <laughs> Very exciting. Hope everyone had a great New Year's and a great set of holidays. It was a lot of fun for us um, with, with family and friends and just it was really good. How about you, Jana? How were the holidays for you? Oh, they're always good. You know, I have a crazy extended family in Louisiana, a bunch of Cajuns. So <laughs> I, ha- I, I definitely have to do a dry January. I'll just- <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's always the way, right? Yeah, a little bit yep. too much celebrating. So, hey, Jana, today we have a really cool guest. Jack Skeels is with us. Uh, Jack is uh, an author, but also uh, has his own business where uh, called Agency Agile, Agile, if I'm saying that right. Yep. Um, so we're busy and we're excited to talk to Jack. Jack, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, Happy New Year to you both. Uh, wishing yes, you the best you. for 2024. Yeah, you too. How were your holidays, Jack? Were they good? Well, you know, most holidays are good. This was one that just unfortunately happened to be filled with a lot of sad things happening. Oh, I don't mean to be the De- Debbie yeah. Downer here, but uh, right. yeah. yeah, no, just uh, glad 2024 is moving forward. I, I hear it's the year of the wood dragon, oh. which is the symbol of uh, prosperity and growth or something like that. So oh, that fits perfect we, into what we're doing here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, unfortunately, I think the Chinese New Year starts in a couple of weeks. So I'm hoping I get through these next couple of weeks. <laughs> exactly. Just holding tight for the next two weeks. Right? Exactly. Right. I'm not going anywhere. Well, cool. love it. Love it. Hey, Jack, do me a favor. Uh, just for our listeners sake, give us a little bit of background about you and, and, and what you do and we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Thanks. Um, yeah. Um, so I've, I'm probably a lot like uh, many of your listeners in that I'm I'm a business person and I've been you know I, I originally started out as a, a programmer and the like and but quickly got into management and decided I wanted to have a consultancy and I did that in the 1990s and made the Inc. 500 and all that kind of thing and I was intrigued by how uh, how we built a business mm-hmm. I mean we were just a bunch of people doing stuff and all of a sudden it became a 60 person 90 person consultancy. And so I got my MBA and and that I stumbled into a research job at Rand Corporation, the think tank, where they asked me to explain how consultancies worked, which is quite ironic because I had only just built one. Um, but it was great research. Uh, and it, I spent four years working with them on various topics and and um, got a pretty good sense how sort of small and medium-sized businesses work and the like. And I went out into, after there, I went out into the startup world and the like, and got to see a lot of it firsthand. Uh, But at some point, right around the global economic downturn, I realized, you know, people don't really understand how to run these sort of small project-driven organizations, right? You know, the... 
Yeah, 15 to 20. When I say organization, it could be a department, it could be a whole company, you know, that kind of thing. But these these organizations are trying to do unique work all the time or you know, serving clients and all that kind of thing. It could be a CPA firm, whatever. And and that there's really a lot about that's known about management if you're a management scientist and researcher that nobody else knows. Right. And that's kind of a tragedy. And so I spent the last, you know, basically 15 years converting a lot of that stuff that I learned even 25 years ago, but and more modern, um, into how do we, how does a someone running a small to medium-sized organization that's how how do we manage that correctly? Right. And how do we right. actually and it turns out the difference between managing well and managing poorly is almost best it it certainly can be measured in productivity and um you know productivity and quality and all that kind of thing but the best measure is happiness okay no, is poorly it managed right. yeah poorly managed organizations are miserable organizations yep. i'm going to just wrap with my and why this all matters at least in my life my noble pursuit is that whatever happens at work comes home in yep. fact, a lot of times work happens at home, and I see can see the, the backgrounds of where you guys yep. are. <laughs> so we making better workplaces makes better people places and makes yep. better lives and the like. And so that's anyways, that's my that's my spiel, my background, and uh, my passion is, as well. That's interesting, really interesting, Jack, because you're not productive unless you're happy. Nobody is. So Oh yeah, yeah. They're all tied together. So wrong. When other it seems like other countries, other nations, you know. They they kind of they steer it that way from the get go, and for some reason, the United States kind of got it ass backward. In my opinion, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah like you if, know, you, I, if you're not working and you're not successful, or you're not this, or you don't make this kind of a living, then there's no way you can be happy. And it's certainly been proven through the pandemic that that's not the case. Yeah, when we have yeah. all this, you know, the great resignation and all these people, the right people working from home. Jeff and I talk about that all the time. Some yeah. people don't belong at home working, but a lot of people have talked about how this balance has has made them happier. So hopefully maybe in the next 10 years, we will figure it out and be more productive as a nation, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think your point's great. I, I think there are a couple of things. One is, yeah, the workplace, the workforce is actually voting with its feet, right? <laughs> and good for them. And I think probably our, yeah, not, to, not to put us in an older age group or anything like that, our, our generation was a lot more enamored with the idea of, you know, not necessarily greed is good, but but growth is good, right? right. And 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 essentially, and you know, the use of capital and wealth and all that good stuff. And and the newer generations are are taking maybe a more sanguine look at that stuff. Yes, so I think good, so. good good for them. I, I do want to answer your question because I'm I'm also a little bit of a industrial historian, a, a, a armchair industrial historian. Yes, that is a thing. <laughs> um, and it, it turns out that if you rewind um, about 150 plus years ago, most of the world was what we call an artisanal economy. In other words, it was, you know, saddle makers and boot makers, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. craftspeople. If you wanted to make, I talk about this in the book, in fact, um, my new book, which we haven't mentioned this, yeah. um, but the, um, you know, making a, a sewing needle, like a really good high yes. quality sewing needle that you put, uh, you know, has an eyelet and everything like that. It took like 27 craftspeople to actually go from raw material to a really good needle. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and now it's done, you know, basically with a, a steel manufacturing factory and then a needle manufacturing right. factory. And there's some people there. There's no craft in it. Okay. And this, this was the uh, industrialization of many of the crafts where we took people out of it and put machines in them. And, and that's just never stopped, of course. And we hear about it now with AI and all AI, that. Yes. Machines are coming for us. Right. Um, the part of that, when, when all of that happened, there became this idea that people were the problem. Okay. And that, and that the idea of the manager, and this is a guy I talk about extensively in the book, a guy named Friedrich Taylor and Taylor in the 1910, 1920s came up with this way of managing people called scientific management. And it's what, you know, it's time cards, it's piecework tracking rates. And, and Taylor had some really severe ideas. One of which was that, that people only work as much as they have to. Okay. He called it soldiering. In other words, you will do the, the, you will do the least amount of work that goes unpunished. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. And, and that in fact, the job of managers is to, and his words were frightening, enforce the cooperation. Okay. Now this, that's an oxymoron enforce cooperation. Yeah, right. And, and this idea that managers are somehow the, the, whatever the, you know, drill sergeants or the whatever, I, I'm trying to think of an even more severe word, but, but that's their job relative to workers is so broken. And it's at the end. And so all anyone wants to do is become a manager because it's so much better to be a manager than to be <laughs> under a manager. Right. I mean, we still have that ethos. I think it's part of our problem. No, I agree. You know, it's funny you brought that up. Um, because I, you know, I do public speaking, and one of the stories I talk about is when I started my career at Harris Bank in Chicago. It was you, you know, you go to work, you do the job, you come home, and you get a paycheck, and that was, you know, you just yeah. did that, right. It was there was no, you know, you can't offer ideas. Yep. You, you know, we know what's best. You know, keep your mouth shut. Um, and then I had a, I had an immediate boss. I was in a section. I had an immediate boss that would literally belittle me in front of everyone. If I made a mistake, it was in yep. the trustee department. And if I made a calculation, I'm 21 at the point, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm so young. <laughs> You're going to make you know? mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so she would belittle me. Here's the cool part. I had a section manager that, um, and my the funny part about that was my dad, I was complaining and he goes, just kill it with kindness. And so I used to go, oh, that's <laughs> go hey, I'm so sorry about that. I'll try to do better next time. Right. Um, and she saw that. And so she pulled me and put me with another um, immediate boss. But what she did was she took what I call a limited culture, which is where you can't offer anything else. And mm -hmm. she created and went against everything else the bank was about and created an unlimited culture in her department. That was, was a great like, phrase. I ask like it. questions, right? Yeah. And, and wow. do things, right? so here's what happened. I all of a sudden was given the opportunity to have an opinion. So mm -hmm. I taught myself back in the 80s, I taught myself how to program. And eventually automated the entire trustee department because she gave me that <laughs> ability to lift, you know, put nice, on my wings nice. and lift me up. Right. Yeah. Turned out that she was one of the youngest. She's my mentor, by the way, Wendy Bailey. I love to mention her name all the time. Um, but she was able to, she was one of the youngest VPs in the bank. And I became one of the youngest officers in the bank because of her ability to give me this, Hey, whatever works and you're doing a great job, go for it, keep going and to have a voice. And that was so missing back then. And I believe it's still missing today. I do too. I do too. I think I worry that we've gotten back to, you know, for a while it was real uh, expressive and people were allowed to 
express more, but we're kind of we're kind of uh, narrowing that back in a little bit, and that's a little scary. Not in all business, but in some. Right, I and agree. I still absolutely believe. And you know, artists, we talk about this because I'm a performer as well. We say, you know, you never work a day in your life if you're doing what you love. There now, it's not necessarily that in the business world completely, but it's certainly that, like Jeff and I talk about, if your butt's in the right seat, you're going to give 150 percent or 110 percent. If you feel like somebody is listening to you like you, Jeff, with the programming, you know, that was your wheelhouse. That's what yeah. you were good. You're going to thrive at it. I look at my son. He's 22 years old. He's been through a few, you know, transitions and he has always had a passion to cook. Well, he is cooking now. He's running a kitchen. We had a friend that gave him the reins at 19 to run a kitchen at 19. And he had no experience catering or running an entire kitchen. And he stepped up to the plate. He like totally figured it out. Of course, you know, he thinks they all think they can find this young generation on Google. Well, I'll just Google it to figure it out. You know? <laughs> but you know what he did? Yeah. yeah. yeah that's it's actually more doable than you think. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And and he figured it out. You know, yeah. it's like he was like, I, but he was passionate about it because he cared. And yeah. his, you know, his, again, his feet were in the right place. And I think that's a lot of it is people are desperate to work or people need to make money. So sometimes they're put in the wrong position. Yeah. And then they don't give back or they don't, uh, you know, they don't contribute in the right way. Yep, I agree. I agree. Well, yeah, this is a great lead-in, Jack, where we can talk a little bit about your book. Yes. That you launched. It's yep, called Unmanaged, exactly. Master the Magic of Creating Empowered and Happy Organizations. Wow. So, love the title. Love the whole concept of all that. It's just what we were talking about. So give us a little bit yeah. of background yeah. on that. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's you know, just to continue pretty directly from what Jana was saying. The... Um, I I will go and I would say yes and to what you were saying there, Jan, is, is the, the the challenge is that um is I, I don't even know that skill match is all that important. I the book is designed to write unmanaged is the idea that can we do better with less managing, right? Yeah. Unmanaged sounds like out of control or something like that, but in reality, um teams that have less managing have higher productivity okay uh, and this is one of those weird you know, the the axiom in in business research is the amount of managerial activity is inversely proportional to the productivity of the organization mm. the harder you manage the more interventions the more activity the less work gets done and so the, and this is just known it's factual sort of proven it's not some hypothesis or anything like that right. but no but nobody knows that i mean it's just it's an amazing little thing and i think the 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 other thing hidden in all of that is that we are all such wickedly amazing problem solvers and where do we learn how to become such great problem solvers 400,000 years of evolution okay right. that's yeah, the whole reason we are here is not because of a bunch of singular great individuals like einsteins and the like we like talking about those folks the reason we are where we are is stories like jeff's story okay mm -hmm. where someone said i see what we're trying to do and i have this tool also i'm going to apply this tool to what we're trying to do and now it's going to get better yeah and we all have that within us we, that was bred into us those of us are ans those who had ancestors that didn't do it well those people don't exist right because <laughs> that was a survival characteristic yeah. right and and what in in this that's why I brought up this idea of industrial management because all of a sudden it started creating partitions in our 
our humanity saying, well, there are people that actually know what should be done and how to do it. And again, your story was great. You had managers that said, no, just it, the machine is the machine. You just need to be the worker in the machine. Yeah. And you transitioned to a manager who said, no, it's people come first. And mm -hmm. in fact, ironically, you as a, as a person took a machine to actually make the whole thing run better, right? Yeah, right. Programming and everything. Right. And so, and that's been our transition, by the way, is that now the machines on a good day, the machines work for us. Right. right. And, and that allows us to be better, but that means it's even more important to unleash, unleash this, these hidden talents inside of all of us. Right. And, okay. and in that way, a manager, I need to find it very well, Jeff, the manager's job is to unleash the talents inside yeah. of the workers, right? And enable them and not not say, well, the only talent I want of yours is X, but really, hey, what talents do you have? Bring right. your bring bring it. You know, maybe you see something I don't see because you will see things I don't see, right? And all these things are very sort of humble manager sort of behaviors and the like. The problem, and the book addresses this. The problem is. How in the hell do I do that as a manager, yeah. right? Okay. Well, and and uh, I was going to say, say, that's one well, of the struggles. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jack, but that's one of the struggles. Yeah. How do you do it, right? We have not yes. taught our leaders how to be leaders. That's exactly right. And Jeff and I talk I use, about this. I use yeah. the term true leadership because true leadership to me is someone that takes the blame when something goes wrong, mm -hmm. someone that gives praise to the team when something goes right, even though they probably did the majority of it, and someone that's willing to stand shoulder to shoulder. We haven't taught people how to do that. That's what no. we're, you know, that's what, what, what this podcast is about, what pull the shoot is about. It's like, you know, and your book is about that. It's like, we have to take time and teach these guys how to be true leaders. Well, yeah, and I, a step further of that, from my perspective as a communication person is we have to get in the room once a week or once, you know, twice a month, whatever. And everybody needs to sit down and talk about what every, you know, what the goal is, what the, what the big goal is. And then also just the personal goal. What do you want out of this? Like, how do you want to contribute to whatever it is that we all are all trying to accomplish here? Because the truth is, there, these talents a lot of times are hidden. It depends on your personality. And we've talked about this before. If you're an extrovert, you know, you tend to, people tend to know what you feel your strengths are, or you're more willing to share them with the group. But there's a lot of introverts. There's a lot of these people that are sort of uh, quiet problem solvers, or even these people that don't talk a lot, but are brilliant. Again, everybody's got to communicate a little bit more about the process too. Sometimes they hand you stuff and say, you know, we'll see you in two months, figure it out. And nobody communicates. Yeah. You're, you're naming a, a, just a laundry list of stuff. And then, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say it is in the book. Actually, we, we right. talk about a lot of these things. I, I I'm going to opine just for a minute on something, which is, I think, and I don't mean a slight against your idea of true leadership and the like, but I think leadership is getting overemphasized, mm -hmm. right? As if, if, as if there's something that I could do as a leader, if only I behaved like X, you know, they, we talk about charismatic leadership and inspirational leadership and all that kind of thing that will somehow make people become good managers. <laughs> that's just such a leap for me. Okay. Because managing is a craft. Okay. And Je Jenna, you were getting at some of the things it's about communication skills. It's about asking questions, not, not making statements. It's about making sure that we, that everyone gets heard and everyone gets to take ownership and things and the like, and these are, 
these are muscles, managerial muscles yes. that that they're that are far away from the idea of wow, I'm I'm really impressed by the guy who or gal who's running this organization, right? Okay. And that's great. We want to have people that we aspire to be like and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but but that middle, I think, gets underserved sometimes in the leadership discussion, and and you did a great job of describing a good manager behavior, Jana, that a leader can do, which is, let's stop and just get everyone grounded in the understanding of this. This is, in fact, the first of the four key managerial moments in my book, the why moment. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Why does it need to be done? What what does this connect to what's the goal of it? All those sorts of things. Brilliant that you brought it because it is so, so important. In fact, it's one of those things. If you want to talk about global, you know, workplace diversity um, in Japan, it's a regular practice. It's mm -hmm. called BA, BA, right? It's the, the act of bringing everyone together into a present understanding of what's going on. It doesn't happen here ever. It's so sad. I know. So sad. Right. But I think you had a point though. So how do we, how do we teach people to be better <laughs> at what they do, right? To be better leaders, even, you know, to be uh, someone that uh, can get the most out of their people to create this happy organization, as you said in your book. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, it, it's interesting. And I think there's even a language thing and I, I'm going to apologize in advance for for using your sentence, okay? But I use these same sentences. How do I get the most out of my people? Okay, sounds like I'm I'm trying. Uh, how do I grow the biggest sunflowers? Okay, mm -hmm. but they're my sunflowers, right? Uh, there's if I take it another way, which is what is it that sunflowers? I'm just you see, I'm trying to just turn this a little bit. What is it that I need to do as a gardener to enable sunflowers to become everything they can become? Okay, you know, and and yeah. there's subtle there's subtle stuff in our even in our language and the way we think about the role of a leader and a manager as being a you know the master controller and the you know that kind of thing and and that hence the title of the book is a lot of times you're better off sort of getting out of the way, right? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. people do grow naturally, right? And they respond to challenge and and all that kind of thing. Um, and so that a lot of the book is actually written around that idea with a lot of vignettes about what goes wrong and advice about, you know, these four key techniques you can use, four key moments in which, what do I need to do as a manager that I don't do today? And what do I need to stop doing? That kind of thing. So, Jack, we before we uh, finish up here, uh, just a little bit about your business. Um, so you're doing more consulting with companies to show them this stuff or talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, and so the book is actually the result of the business, and and the, the what we, I mean, I I had all these theories in like fifteen years ago, and I thought I can't write a book about something I've never done before, and I went and did it. The book opens with that story of how I actually got the stuff to work in a workplace with me as a manager, and then by by getting rid of managers, actually, by the way, and. Um, and then I said, well, I'll start a consultancy to go do this. And we've done it with over 200 organizations. We go in and teach an organization, help them help them see what, what we've been talking about today, right? Yeah. And 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 then um and then give them actionable plans and techniques. And we take them through the techniques and all that kind of thing. It's a it's it's a really cool program. And when when the organization follows it, and Jeff, you brought up a great point earlier. 
it's the culture of the organization that determines how much change can happen, right? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. And, you know, sometimes it's just a little bubble in a bigger organization that can make this kind of changes. Sometimes smaller companies are very successful at actually changing their ethos and everything like that. Right. Um, so that's what we do. And it's, it's fun. It's very rewarding and get to work with great leaders and managers all the time. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Well, yeah. If people want to get a hold of you and, and uh, have a conversation and talk to you, how can they do that? Uh, you can reach me at LinkedIn at Jack Skeels on LinkedIn and also at agencyagile.com, our website. You can uh, just shoot us a note, this contact form, you know, all that yep. stuff, that standard cool. stuff. So, Well, Jack, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. I am sure we're going to have to have you back because this is a yeah. topic. That, yeah, that I feel like there are 20 more topics to talk about. So <laughs> let's could, do it. Yeah, we, we could definitely uh, you know burn another e uh, show on this easily. <laughs> It's really a lot of fun. But thanks. We appreciate you being on the show. A real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And to all the listeners out there, uh, first of all, Happy New Year to all of you. Um, Jan and I always appreciate when you uh, contact us, send emails, ask, ask questions. We love that. So continue to bring those in. Uh, we're excited for 2024. We hope that you have an amazing 2024 year. We're here if you ever need us. Until the next time, stay safe and be healthy.